Welcome. My name is Kelly Bearden. I'm a classical musician turned creative entrepreneur, and this is the best platform for musicians that are looking to shape their career by thinking outside the box. So excited to have Brienne Pack with me today. She's the founder of The Piano Path, which if you're not familiar, Brienne does amazing work on uh, helping adult students to learn piano. And she's also one of my own favorite content creators on Instagram and TikTok. So I'm so excited about today. We were pumped at the beginning of this call because it's made a ton of fun. But Brienne, I want to start back at the very beginning, as always. At what age did you first learn an instrument? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on here, Kelly. I'm so excited to chat. Um, <laughs> I first started with the piano when I was about six years old. Um, I come from a fairly large family. I'm one of seven kids. Oh, and my, uh, my siblings were all taking piano lessons. And like around that age, most of us just started. And um, my parents just like really encouraged us to play. And so started when I was yeah, awesome. about six. Yeah. So growing up in a musical household, I'm like picturing, you know, like Von Trapp family type get togethers <laughs> and dinner parties when there's music all over. Did you guys like to play together a lot or was everyone kind of just operating individually? Yeah. So when we were younger, we were more like individually just kind of like focused on our own things. Uh, but as we got older, that's when like the magic really started to happen mm. and we got to play together. And now it's really fun to go home to like, um, we play lots of different instruments. Um, oh. I, I have several siblings who play the violin and my brother plays the cello and guitar. And so it's fun just to have, uh, yeah, like musical breakout sessions when we're at home. <laughs> um, but yeah, growing up, we would, we would experiment a little bit playing together, but it was more like individual stuff on our own. That is so fun. Yeah. Were your parents also musical or did they just decide that everyone in the family was going to take lessons? Yeah. So what's funny is my dad plays the piano um, and is a great musician. Uh, my mom actually took piano lessons when she was younger and ended up quitting. And mm. she like always um, just kind of regretted that, like that her parents let her quit. And so I think like in her mind, she was like, I'm, I'm going to have my kids play the piano, like basically like fulfill the dream for her. <laughs> um, so yeah, she did play when she was younger and, um, but ended up quitting and then yeah, all of us played. So. Oh, that's awesome. What a fun, yeah. full household of music yeah. and sounds. And oh my gosh, that's so much fun. Are other siblings now also professional musicians or have you kind of been the lone wolf? <laughs> <laughs> I am kind of the lone wolf actually. Um, nice. I, well, actually I say that my, a couple of my younger sisters teach music um, part-time Okay. Um, and then, but I'm the one who's like, I, I feel like has gone into it more fully. We all still play, um, but like on various, various degrees. So, mm. um, yeah, my, my, or my younger sister still, still teach a little bit, but I'm the one who's like gone full force into it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, when we first got on before we started recording, I know you kind of called your path into music as a profession unconventional, yeah. which I love. We love a, a, a different yeah. story. So how did you end up working in music or teaching? Was it something that kind of happened for you as you were younger and then built up or yeah. came over time? Yeah. So I guess it kind of goes back to when I was uh, in middle school and mm. I actually, like I had been taking piano lessons for a while, but I um, kind of got to this point where I was like, I don't know if I really want to continue with this. Like I wasn't super into playing. I didn't really enjoy it that much. It was just something that was kind of a duty that I did. Um, yeah. And I remember going and asking my mom if I could quit. And uh, her response was, no. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense based on her story and like wanting to keep her kids playing. Um, and so I just remember thinking like, okay, I'll just like keep playing until like the end of high school. Um, until like I, I can have the choice for myself and then, you know, be done with it. Um, so, but what actually something that really changed my story at the piano was when I discovered that I could actually play songs that I knew and I enjoyed playing. And, um, I remember at that time was kind of when like, uh, online sheet music was becoming really popular. Uh, and yeah. so, yeah. So I remember my, uh, my siblings and I would like look up 
random songs off of the internet and uh, you could like, you could print off like the preview <laughs> page for free. <laughs> it would have the big words like preview on it, but we would just like look through the preview and still like play it. Um, so yeah, I just remember like we would just have, like have a stack of those papers um, of songs that like we knew and liked. And I started playing those and really just discovered that it was like the key that unlocked everything for me. Mm. Like it was like, like music and playing was something that I could truly enjoy when it was music that I liked um, when it was, you know, music from like soundtracks and music that I was hearing mm. on the radio. And yep. um, so that's like really what like, was a turning point for me was getting to experience the joy of playing music. And so from there, it was like, I was hooked. Like I was never like going to stop. <laughs> um, and I, in high school, I would have, we would have random people come to us, like me and my siblings and like ask us to teach their kids piano. Um, mm. So I taught piano lessons, like actually when I was in high school, like very basic beginner lessons, you know, like where you just like go through, you know, like the Faber book or the Bastion <laughs> book, right? Um, and so I taught through high school a little bit, just like as a the way to make extra money. Cause when you're in high school and you're teaching, you know, $20 an hour is yeah, like, it's you like know, you've struck, you've struck gold. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is amazing. Like, um, so yeah, so I taught a little bit in high school and then I actually decided, um, I took a gap year after I graduated from high school and I went to Taiwan and I taught English. Wow. So it was really interesting to go from teaching piano part-time to teaching English. Um, and I think like we were teaching in very rural areas where mm. there wasn't a lot of English, like people knew like five English words and we mm. would be thrown into like a classroom where we'd have to teach them English. And so I think like looking back, that was a really kind of uh, important chapter for me because I learned mm. how to like really simplify something like, okay, if these people do not understand anything that I'm saying. Like, how can I simplify something down into like its most basic form in order for them to understand? So um, yeah, that's just kind of an interesting piece to look back on and be like, wow, that actually like <laughs> really helped me in the process. So, so yeah, I ended up um, teaching English in Taiwan. Actually, I did that for a couple of years wow. and then um, came back to the States and just kind of started teaching again, like I had before, like with uh, teaching private lessons um, and then just kind of built up my studio from there. Wow. When you were in Taiwan, were you doing any teaching for music as well? Or were you did it like full break? Like English has to have all of your time and attention. Yes, yeah. Big I, part I, of it. Yeah. I didn't teach music at all. It was just teaching um, English. But what's really fun is I lived with a team um, and we had a piano in our dorm. And so I was still like able to play my team. Like we loved singing like musicals and Broadway, like we had like the book for Les Miserables and like we, yeah, we loved keeping music a part <sighs> of what we were doing. That's um, awesome. And, and that's kind of also just like a, I don't know, like a cool part of uh, getting to bring music with me too. Like, even though I wasn't teaching it, it was still a part of my life. Like it was still something that like brought me joy and was life giving. So Yeah. That's awesome. What originally brought you to Taiwan? I know I was like taking a gap year. You probably explore a lot of different options, but was there something in particular that really like spoke to you in that opportunity? Yeah, it was just, it wasn't, I think it was, I'm trying to think what it was. It was, so I was homeschooled. I grew up homeschooled mm -hmm. and it was connected with the homeschool group that I was a part of at the time. So it was like, we're sending English teachers over with this program to teach English in rural parts of Taiwan. Um, so it wasn't like I necessarily like chose that one country. It's mm. just that was like, there's yeah. a connection there already. Yeah, that That's really connected. cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Now, as you transitioned back and started teaching again, was the studio your full time income initially when you first moved back? No, I was very much trying to figure out what I was doing with my life. Mm. <laughs> and uh, I knew that I, since I had taught piano lessons previously, um, I knew that that was just a really simple way for me to make money and to have an income. So it started with just a few students here and there. 
And then um, I got this great idea at the time to put an ad on Craigslist, <laughs> which sounds so sketchy now, but for some reason, like seven or eight years ago, it wasn't. Um, and just like literally built my studio through an ad that I put on. Craigslist. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then like word of mouth. And then, um, yeah, just connections. And pretty soon I went from having two students to having like I think my highest number was like 36 students I was teaching wow. a week. So yeah, it really just exploded and it felt like I had kind of just like pursued a dream. Like I was getting to, um, yeah, I was getting to teach and have my own business and run my own studio. And um, yeah, it, um, there was something I was going to say going back. Yeah, it, it didn't happen overnight, obviously. Um, I started with a couple of students and then like slowly started building up. Um, but yeah, it's been an adventure growing from two to 36. <laughs> so you said it was like a dream fulfilled. Have mm -hmm. you always had this entrepreneurial spirit, like wanting to work independently or is that something that kind of came after the fact? <laughs> yeah, I've always had the desire just to have freedom, mm. <laughs> time freedom, financial freedom. Um, and so I guess like that kind of goes side like coincides with each other, like yeah. being an entrepreneur, um, having your own business, like being able to decide how you run things. Um, so I guess that that's what kind of drew me into entrepreneurship was, um, I really want to, I want to be the one creating things and I want to be the one dreaming the dreams and working towards making them, uh, come to life. And it's important that this passion, and, and I know we kind of talked about this briefly too, but it's important to have this passion, especially because, you are creating something which we'll get to here that is so out of the norm for lessons. And if you don't yeah. know what the piano path is for anyone that's listening, um, Brian has this incredible program for adult musicians or adult beginners that have never learned an instrument to start from scratch and learn similar to what you're talking about, the things that you enjoy, like pop music and music that means something to them that they're really excited about in its most simplified form and then scale and, and add on that. So it's a really cool path and program where someone could you know, practice 20 minutes a day and learn songs that they're excited about. Not with the goal of being a concert pianist, but for enjoyment and fun and like all of the things that, you know, as you said, that you valued and you found as you were following this passion and yeah. <laughs> like trying to figure out what this looks like. Yeah. Was it something that you just woke up one day and said, you know, I really wish I could help more adult students or were you already teaching adult students in your private lessons? <laughs> That's the funny thing. I was not teaching adults. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to the point, so I had grown my studio to the point where I couldn't really take on any more students. Mm -hmm. And I was, because I value time freedom and financial freedom, like I kind of started to like, even though I was very excited by what I had accomplished, I was also like, oh no, I can't expand this any further. Mm. Like there is one I, of me. <laughs> yeah, there's only one of me. Um, and I don't want to be teaching every day until yeah. 9 p.m. or on weekends. And so I really was kind of starting to think of, we're trying to kind of come up with some ideas of like, how could I expand this beyond one-on-one -on -one lessons? And um, at the time, this was, I want to say like four, four or five years ago, the time that's kind of when, I know online courses have been on the scene for a while, but I feel like they've like really started to ramp up in the last four or five years. And when I, I was at this, around this time, I was starting to see people talk about like, um, taking your one-on-one -on -one expertise and turning mm. it into a course. Yep. And that was like really attractive to me to be able to be like, wow, I could actually like make my business expand without taking on more students. Um, so I, yeah, I really just kind of started seeing the potential of going towards a course. And at the time I was like, you know, I really don't necessarily want to create a course for kids. Um, like, I feel like people are going to be more like adults are going to be more likely to buy an online course that they can go through. So that's kind of when I started to shift my um, student a little bit towards adults who wanted to learn um, because I wanted to eventually build out this course and expand my business that way. 
Got it. Now, one, I think, important kind of thing in your story here is we didn't go to school for music. Yes. And so you're creating this this course from scratch with your own material and your own content and honestly your own pedagogical approach to things. Yeah. How are you forming that or what were you doing to, you know, maybe it was education or maybe it was other kind of resources, but how are you informing this as you're starting from scratch with a newer ideal student for you? Yeah. Honestly, I, I, did a lot of trial and error with my students. Mm-hmm. And I got really curious with figuring out like, what is working? Like what's clicking? What's making sense? Where are your roadblocks? What's stop? Like what's holding you back? And so after teaching so many um, beginner students, you kind of start to get a sense of like, okay, here are like the typical things that, um, you know, students aren't like aren't getting, <laughs> they're holding them back. Here are like the typical frustrations here. Um, you know, like here are the things here, here's where they want to go, but they can't get there because of this. So to me, it was kind of like a, a puzzle to solve, to mm. see those things and be like, okay, how can we make it so that these things aren't as hard? Like, how can we break these things down so that they're not obstacles? Like, how can we break things down into a way that they're going to understand um, and really be able to retain? So my whole approach has been just being curious about what works mm-hmm. and what doesn't work. And through that process of teaching students and then through creating an online course and getting feedback Um, I've really been able to hone in on like a really, really simplified pathway of like, okay, do this little bite-sized thing and then add on this little bite-sized thing. And don't do this. Don't do this yet. Like, we're not ready for that. You're going to get overwhelmed if you do that. Like, so I've really been able to like break down the steps into things Mm -hmm. that feel like attainable and achievable. So that has been, yeah, something that nobody's really taught me. It's just like what I've discovered along the way. That is awesome. And the sequencing is hard. I mean, you yeah. built out this whole curriculum yourself. Yeah. And even when I look, and I think this is something that all musicians can relate to, you look at the method books and there's always yeah. things that are really strong in a certain method book. And then the yeah. next one might have strengths in another area. Yeah. And like, sometimes I wish I could just like mash them all together and like make one perfect method book. But like at the same time, it's a lot of time and energy and effort. And the method book that would be the, you know, the perfect book and my conglomeration would not be the next teachers. And so it's such a hard balance having something that is purely yours that you have refined over so much time. I'm sure. I mean, first of all, you have to be immensely proud of that work. That's just remarkable. But at the same time to have that in that continuous refinement so that your students also have a voice around that and they're getting what they need. is so cool. Yeah. When you say you're getting student feedback, what does that look like? How are you checking in or, you know, at what point, since it's, it is an online course and maybe a little bit more hands off, how do you collect that feedback and know when to adjust? Yeah. So I usually send, um, uh, like a a Google form survey, Mm. um, to past students just to see like how things have been going, what has been like some of their biggest wins, um, what were some things that maybe you'd like to see in some updates. Um, So just really being open to hear from them because they are like real life people going through the material. It's easy to just kind of like hypothesize about, you know, somebody going through it. Um, But when somebody real is going through it, it's always interesting to hear like, what, yeah, what their thoughts are. And sometimes it's surprising and um, mm-hmm. sometimes it's things you would expect, but yeah, mostly just through, um, through a, a, a survey that I sent out to students after they've gone through the course. That's awesome. Yeah. And when students are going through the course, obviously most of them are starting at like pure beginner, no experience. Yeah. By the time that they finish this first set of material, yeah. what are they usually playing? What are they working on? Kind of what level do they come out after a course like this? Yeah. So the goal and the hope is that they will come out with 
um, just the confidence to be able to mm. play songs that they love on the piano, um, and to be able to sit down at any piano and just always have something that they're excited to play, whether that's using chords or reading beginner sheet music or using lead sheets. Um, basically inside the course, I teach like these different song tools. And then when there's a song that you want to learn how to play, you know exactly how to learn it. Like you don't have to search YouTube for like a good tutorial. It's going to be at your level. Um, you know exactly how to take the song tools, um, and to start learning a song. So basically what I want people to leave with is musical freedom to know that like the songs that they want to play, they have the ability to learn. And it doesn't have to be like this super advanced version of it that they're going to perform yeah. or anything. Um, but, you know, oftentimes success is just, yeah, being able to play even like the first part of a song that you like, you know, just that satisfaction of like, I did it like, and it sounds good. <laughs> so that's what uh, students end up leaving the course with. That's awesome. Yeah, I think you know it's interesting, like comparing, you know, kind of a traditional Western art music, kind of classical music background, where it, I, my joke always and this is still so true, like painfully true. Like I never learned jazz yeah. and it was because my own teachers growing up, it wasn't really where their passion and focus and skill set was. And now at this point in my life, you know, by the time I got to like high school, I wasn't even going to try. Yeah. Like I didn't learn to improvise, didn't learn to play yeah. independently. And like my personality is if I don't think I'm going to be halfway decent at it on the first go, we're just not even going to bother. <laughs> so we just skip it. I and <laughs> now I'm at a point where like, I'm never going to improvise in front of someone. I mean, I say that, but like, ideally someday I'll, I'll learn. I will, but yeah. it's hard to, to break out of that path. And so to have something that is so geared towards you know, the music people want to learn. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of say all the time too, that for every single teacher, there's an ideal student, but for every student, there's an ideal teacher. Yes. And there are so many adults that want these skills. Yeah. And you know, to hand yeah. that to them on, on basically on a silver platter, like here's exactly the building blocks that you need yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Yes. It's been amazing. And it's been so interesting to see in that process, you know, going into it, I had an idea of what success was. Mm -hmm. I had this idea like, okay, these people want to play the piano. So I need to teach them everything about playing the piano. And they need to know all these things about theory. And they need to know like how to play classical music and for a lease. And like, you know, I had all these expectations. Um, and then you get into it and realize they, you know, my ideal student just wants the satisfaction of being able to like sit down and play something with confidence and to be able to enjoy it. And maybe later they'll go on and learn all the, you know, ins and outs of theory, maybe, mm -hmm. or maybe not. And so I think like being able to, um, yeah, just like really focus on what is their end goal? Like what does success look like for them and how can I lead them there, um, has been, really like my main goal through all of this. Mm. Like, how can I get you there in the simplest way possible so that you can accomplish this goal and this dream? That's awesome. Do you find in middle school when you kind of had this pivot of now I want to play less classical music, not yeah. saying that of course it was completely eliminated by any means, yeah. but I want to focus more on you know what I'm hearing on the radio or yeah. show tunes and things like that. Yeah. And not as a judgment of all, but did you it, at all, but did you have a teacher that was on board with that? Did they kind of foster that change? Yeah. Um, kind of, we, <laughs> I'm trying to think like we would work out of, um, books that we did a lot of like Christian arrangements of songs mm, that yeah. I, we, I enjoyed, um, but for like the songs that, yeah, for like the pop songs and stuff, we would do some, but most of that was just kind of me taking what I had learned in lessons and mm -hmm. just applying it into the songs Independently. that I yeah. to play. Yeah. So it was like a little bit, like she was, she was on board. Like if there was a specific song, I could come to her and ask her. Um, but otherwise we kind of just worked through books. Um, but I found that like to be, once I had discovered like, oh, I can play music that I like, then I was a lot more motivated to even work on other things because mm -hmm. it was like, oh, this is just, you know, this is going to improve my skills so that I can play the music that I want to play. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I, I probably was in middle school too, in my own piano lessons. Um, I, I don't know what possessed me, but Fields of Gold, the Eva Cassidy version specifically, <laughs> like. I, I loved that song. And yeah. so, and I loved Eva Cassidy in general. I went through like a whole year where like, <laughs> that was like most of what I was listening to, which feels so bizarre. Um, 
weird kid. <laughs> that was me. But <laughs> I mean, I, we all have our, we all, we all music things. kids. <laughs> <laughs> so I like went and figured out on the piano, like listened to it on repeated a bajillion times and like figured out how to play it and did yeah. my own little arrangement of the whole thing and brought it to my lesson. I worked on it for weeks, then brought it to my teacher and I was like, you're not going to believe this. And I played it all. I could still to this day probably play that piece for you. It was like the one thing that like I had completely taught myself by ear. I was so excited about it. And so now because that brought me, it brought me so much joy and not to say that the work that I was doing in more classical stuff wasn't, I mean, obviously I went out and got degrees in it. Obviously I liked it, but that felt like my creation. Yeah. As opposed to somebody else's, like my achievement. And so I I try to help my own students do this, but I love what you're doing so much because I think it puts that control back in a student's hand where like they could sit down and figure it out if they wanted to. And that's so stinking cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That That's awesome. (laughs) So, okay. So now you're an entrepreneur. Whoops. We ended up here. Uh, (laughs) Kind of a wild few years. So at what point did the piano path like officially go on the market and how were you spreading the word that you had this awesome new course? Yeah. So I actually didn't start with creating the course. I started mm-hmm. first with this idea to build an audience around um, playing the piano as an adult. Um, so it started, um, it had been like in the back of my head for a while, um, but I hadn't really taken any action on it um, until I think it was 2020 that I, that, you know, everybody's plans <laughs> went up in the, the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, it forced me on to, it forced me into online teaching with my own students. And I think that just kind of figuring out like the tech of even, it sounds like so silly now, but like the tech of even like how to record your hands playing, which I knew was mm-hmm. something that I was going to have to do for an online course. Um, it forced me to like figure that out. Um, cause I was doing that as I was teaching. So, I think that that was kind of the push that I needed to be like, okay, this is time. Like I've had this idea in the back of my head to kind of start creating content to create a course. I think I'm just going to do it. (laughs) I'm just going to start. Yeah. So that was about at the beginning of 2020 is kind of when I started. I started with, uh, yeah, I started with a YouTube channel and then uh, eventually went into Instagram and now TikTok and yeah. When it started. That is awesome. And so for anyone that's listening, again, that's not totally familiar. It's just at the piano path on TikTok and Instagram and also on YouTube, I think. Yes. It's just okay. yep, the awesome. piano path. Yep. And the content that you turn out is amazing and it's so creative and you've got such an incredible variety. As you started to create content around this and build an audience, what I mean, there, I'm sure there's a million things, but what didn't work for you? Like, what did you try that was like a complete failure that you're like, I'm never doing that again. It obviously didn't work. <laughs> oh, well, here's the thing. You go in <laughs> thinking that you know what you're doing and then you realize that you don't. But yet you learn so much just by getting into motion, just by getting into action. And I think that we go into things thinking like, oh my gosh, I have to have this perfect plan and I have to know mm-hmm. what I'm doing. And no, you just, you don't, <laughs> you, you don't know what you don't know. And so like starting for me was like, that was like the turning point, like just like saying that I'm going to start. Um, and then all the things that I learned along the way, like, mm. For example, I thought that I knew who my target student was, like an adult starting from scratch. And so I started creating all of this like beginner content around playing the piano. Like, okay, it needs to be like really simple. So I'm just going to talk about things like how to read music and the treble clef Mm -hmm. and the bass clef and, you know, quarter notes and half notes. And, um, and So I started creating content around that, but I realized that actually the type of student I was attracting with my content was somebody who had already started because they could Mm. understand those things. They could understand like treble clef, bass clef, quarter notes, half notes, right? Um, And what I discovered in the process was actually like the ideal student that I want to reach is somebody who like has almost no background in music. So it's almost like when I start, like when I would start talking about those things, it's like I, I they didn't have a context yeah. for even understanding, like, like what, like what does this even mean? <laughs> 
Um, and it was really telling one day, uh, actually my friend Megan was like looking at my sheet music and, uh, she's always wanted to play the piano, but doesn't really have any musical background. I remember her looking at my sheet of music and being like, how do you make sense of all like these like shapes and dots? And, and it just like occurred to me. I'm like, people like people have no like musical experience. Like they don't have the language to even understand, you know, what even these most basic things are. Right. And so that was a big learning for me along the way is that I started out creating content that I thought would be helpful for this student. But then I realized like, oh, actually I need to like back up and like simplify it even more. And like, they're not even ready to read sheet music. Like they just need to know like the names of the keys and they need to know like their finger numbers and like, that's where they are. So I think, um, a huge learning for me is just like learning how to talk directly mm-hmm. to where my like ideal student is to know um, like, you know, what are their pain points? Like what are the things that are tripping them up and how can I speak directly to them yeah. instead of speaking over their heads? That makes total sense. Yeah. And I think the content in, I pull up your account all the time when I want to talk like TikTok and short form video with clients. I pull it up <laughs> as an example because I think you do such a good job of all of this. But in your content, you have a lot of those like over the hand shots where you're showing mm-hmm. examples, but there's also so much of your face mm-hmm. in that content too. It's like this wonderful, bright, smiling, warm <laughs> personality attached to the whole thing yeah. where if someone's afraid to start, mm-hmm. I, you just do such a great job of making it feel inclusive. Because again, like people that don't have the language around music, things that feel so second nature to anyone that's been taking lessons since they were six years old, whether they have a a degree or whether they're working in music, like there's that baseline vocabulary that we all share. Yeah. But not everyone has that. Or like they learned it in elementary music class, but they weren't really paying attention because they didn't really care at the time. (laughs) Now they've lost it. It would be like going to Taiwan and teaching English to someone that has absolutely no vocabulary. (laughs) It's, it's a challenge. You have to totally strip it down and start from the beginning. So now what kind of content do you feel does the best? Like what do your students really resonate with and what do they want to see from you? Yeah, I think when I can um, break something down into a really like digestible piece that they, that makes them feel like the point with all my content is I hope that people will watch it and say, I can do that. Like that, like she's made it simple enough that I can do that. Like I could go to my piano and try that right now. Um, so I think that um, like my content that ends up doing the best is co- content where I just show them how to do something very simply so that they end up with the feeling of, I want to save this. I want to watch this later. I want to try it. I'm excited to try it. Um, and ultimately like that's the content that I'm most excited to share too, Mm. because for people who, you know, have always wanted to play, but you know, maybe have never gotten the chance or have felt intimidated. Like it just feels like an open invitation. Like, Hey, you don't have to sit on the sidelines anymore. Like you can come in here. Like you can do this. Like you're able to. So that, that kind of content feels really exciting to me. Um, to create and then to watch people interact with. Um, I think also another type of content that I really enjoy creating is when I can do like thought reversals and help people like see Uh. things from a different perspective. Um, Like, hey, you always, like maybe you have this thought that like you have to, you know, practice every day for an hour, you know, and that's what's holding you back because you don't have an hour a day to practice, right? And then like, I love coming in and being able to be like, actually, like there are simpler ways to practice. So you don't have to spend such a long time practicing. Like actually, if you focus on the right things, you don't have to spend an hour, you know? So I love doing those like thought reversals to like change people's perspective on things because ultimately like people aren't going to change their actions until they change their thoughts. And if you can help like change people's thoughts, then you can lead them into action. And so it really doesn't always serve them if you're just like, here's the action to take, here's the action to take without changing their thoughts. So Mm -hmm. I love to kind of combine both of those like practical ways to get started, but also like weave in like, here's how you can actually change your perspective on it um, in order to take action. Well, and this is something I think that even our younger students, like our our little, little students in private lessons struggle with a lot too, where 
okay, I was reading your website over the weekend and like kind of going through everything yeah. and getting prepared for today. And there was this one testimonial that really stuck out to me. And the, the student was saying, you know, her idea of, of only practicing 20 minutes a day yeah. was amazing and like life changing. Yeah. <laughs> And I remember when I was teaching piano um, years ago, I would tell my students, especially for the, the little ones, I would tell mom and dad, any contact with the instrument is good contact. Yeah. I don't okay. care what it is. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a song. It doesn't have to sound good. As long as they're not damaging the instrument, like, <laughs> they can go in there and like key mash all yeah. they want because yeah. if they are going of their own free will and volition to the instrument to touch it, mm-hmm. we are we are thrilled. Like that's exactly what we exactly. want is them just finding that own gratification. Yeah. But as we get to adulthood, like like we said, if we're not going to do it perfectly the first time, we're just not going to try it. We all get so guarded that way mm-hmm. as adults. And so working with adults in this way to you know, kind of open their eyes that it's okay to be bad at something. It's okay to not know. It's okay to just try it a little bit and see if yeah. you like it is such a cool experience for them. Speaking of which, the short form content and, and video creation, when you first started that, was it scary? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it was very scary. I, so I first started on YouTube and I remember the very first uh, YouTube video I created, I was like, oh my gosh, this took me forever to record. And then it took me forever to edit. And then, you know, you upload it to a brand new YouTube account and it gets like eight views and you're like, cool. I spent all this time on it. and it's No like, one will really ever see this. <laughs> yeah. And so I was, yeah, so I was doing YouTube and like, just kind of plugging away at it, not really seeing much success. And at the time, uh, reels were brand new on Instagram and everybody was talking about it. Like it was this, you know, amazing thing that was going to like blow up your account overnight, you know, like, Oh, just create a reel and you're going to get like thousands of followers. You know, I don't know if you remember that that when it first happened, but (laughs) anyway, I was like, Oh, okay, I got to create reels. So I remember the first couple of reels I created just being like, okay, this is it. This is it. I mean, I am like going to blow up after these reels. Watch me take off, everyone. Here's my <laughs> yeah. of fame. So just like pouring my heart and soul into this content. And then it just like, nah, <laughs> like I thought. And it was, yeah, it was a really kind of rude awakening to mm. like, okay, yes, I want to believe that, you know, short form video content can uh, help grow my account and grow my business, but it's not necessarily going to happen overnight. Like I'm not just going to like wake up and be an expert at it. (laughs) Um, Like with all things, we know this, we have to preach this to ourselves is like, it takes practice and putting yourself out there and consistency and being willing to put out imperfect work too. like being able to say like, this isn't perfect, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. Like that, yeah, it just takes a lot of uh, vulnerability. <laughs> and um, so I've learned all of that, a lot of that in the process. And like, as I've put out more content, it's gotten better. And that's been really exciting to see. Um, and just like a testament of like, when you stick with something and you just keep doing it, <laughs> you're going to get better at it. It feels so counterintuitive. Like we're all musicians. We all... Yeah, we all know this. <laughs> we know like we've spent you know, since the age of six working yeah. on our instrument and working on our, our career and building this whole life. And it's, it's like ironic and yet also a little painful when you think about like someone can start a medical degree and decide while they're in college that they want to go be a doctor. Yeah. And like at the age of 20, they just get to start that path. And of course they've taken science classes all throughout school and everything. And they're going to put an absurd amount of time and energy into that. But at the same time, like I remember my friends who, were in undergrad and weren't music majors, what their homework load looked like compared to my homework load plus my practicing. Mm-hmm. And it was frustrating at the time. I'm like, how they're just done. And I like, now I'm done with my homework, but I wrote my history paper. Now I got to go practice for like five more <laughs> hours. And that was exhausting. And yet, even with all of that trial and error, even after years and years of practicing and like trying those things independently, even after years of like playing your own music and putting together your own sheet yeah. music. When you start something new, it's like you revert back to that. Like, if it's not going to be good, I just might as well not do it. (laughs) Which is funny and also very uncomfortable for everyone at the same time. So in those moments where, like, you're trying, you're putting content out, it's getting eight views, it's frustrating, it's not working the way you thought. 
like what kept you going in all of that? Because at this point, I mean, if, if you guys haven't looked at her account yet, definitely like hit pause right now. The piano path <laughs> on Instagram is just shy of 70,000 followers. Like these are, this is a big account. <laughs> like you've done great work. Obviously you didn't quit. Why? How did you keep going? Yeah. I think I had a really clear picture of what I mm. wanted and I had a clear picture of where I was going. And I am a huge advocate for journaling. And honestly, this may sound silly, but like that's one of like the main things that like I attribute to my success is because like huh. I have been journaling about these things, like creating a business where I sell digital products and creating a business where I make money from YouTube. Like I have been writing about that in my journal for years. And so, yeah, so it's, I think it was just like the fact that like, I was consistently telling myself like, this is happening. This is where I'm going, which takes a lot of like (laughs) personal, like it's, it's been so many things I've learned along the way, but like to be able to stand in that when it's not yet a reality, like to be like, this is what I'm doing, even though I only have a hundred people following me on Instagram right now, like I'm going to keep going because I like believe that you know, like believe in what's coming. Um, yeah, has really been, I think what kept me going was I knew what I wanted to build. I wanted to create a business with, um, time and financial freedom and I wanted to make impact. And so that, I just knew that that's where I was headed. And I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm not going home. So (laughs) we're just going to keep going. So, (laughs) so yeah, it was, I think that that's what like kept me going was like having a really clear picture of where I was going. I think every time you make a change, the first step, obviously deciding that you want to change, but also deciding that you're no matter what going to follow through. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I I know you also now coach other musicians to do what you did and and build the online, you know, online course and to do this over social media. And as we talked about the mindset being that first part, you have to get your head in that space of no matter what happens, like even on the days where it feels really crappy, even on the days where like I post the video and it gets eight views, I'm still going to wake up tomorrow and keep trying. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, it is. And actually one of my friends just told me this quote recently, like, like staying committed to the goal, but not attached to the results. And it's Mm. really helped me be to think about like, you know, even in those moments where I had this really clear picture of where I was going, um, I also had to sit with just kind of this like open handedness of like, you know, this may lead me to this end goal that I'm envisioning, or it may lead me somewhere else, somewhere completely unexpected and new that I didn't even expect. But like having that like faith and that trust to know like, Anytime that I learn something new, anytime that I step outside of my comfort zone, anytime I like expand myself, it's going to lead me to a new reality. Mm-hmm. And like that to me was so exciting to be like, I'm creating like my future. Like I'm creating something new and wonderful. And um, yeah, even, even if like it turned out differently than I thought. And that has brought me a lot of um, peace over time just to know that like, even if things turn out differently than I thought, I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. It's different when you follow your passion mm-hmm. to reach your goals than like set the goal and then try to like cram your passion yeah. inside of that. And yeah. I think that's what a lot of musicians are doing is like we, we look for the doors yeah. that we can step through as opposed to like where does our passion take us and what doors appear organically when that's happening. Yeah. But it is a challenge, you know, when you're trying to like make a living as a musician, yeah. which is not the most straightforward yeah. <laughs> endeavor yeah. on the planet. Um, there are a lot of like traditional things that you can do yeah. or like opportunities that can come up and yeah. not every single thing is for you. And yeah. that's also okay. It's okay yeah. to say no to stuff. Yep. Um, in your own business, I, I know you probably have iterated on so many of the things that you're doing countless times, but mm-hmm. what are some things that... Um, today, as it stands in your business, look different than you thought they were going to three or four years ago? Oh, um, I think that, yeah, I think I'd have to think about that for a little bit. Um, well, here's maybe an obvious one. Did you ever think that you were going to be on TikTok like four years ago? <laughs> 
I, not dancing. Here's the thing. I am a terrible dancer, like terrible. <laughs> so no, I never thought I would be on TikTok because I thought everybody on TikTok was just like dancing. Um, so yes, TikTok is is very different. I did not imagine TikTok, but I think like also that's like part of the game too with being a content creator is like social media is constantly changing. You know, like right now I'm on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube, but you know, like five years from now, that could be totally different. Like mm-hmm. I could be on different platforms. Like, and so you kind of just have to adapt um, as you go, which, yeah, it's just always <laughs> new and exciting, but it's kind of the name of the game. Like you yeah. always constantly changing and growing with it. Are there things that you like better about each platform or like, where do you typically hang out? If you're just going to scroll at the end of the night, where yeah. do you go? I usually am on Instagram. I really like um, the stories feature on Instagram because mm-hmm. it feels like you really get like a behind the scenes view um, into what people are doing. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I typically, I like having like a, a variety of um, videos and pictures. Um, TikTok is fun, but it's sometimes it's just like, it's like right in your face sometimes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's just, it's, it's always exciting to me to see like so many different types of content. And that's actually how I got a lot of inspiration is just seeing like what other people are posting. Like, you know, there's a lot of like educational type content. And then there's a lot of like, kind of like the B-roll footage where somebody like just have have words on the screen. Um, or, you know, maybe somebody's like telling a story, uh, voiceover showing different shots. And I don't know, it's just, it's so cool to see how creative people are. And there's not like a one size fits all with content Mm -hmm. like you can really it feels like a playground a little bit like you get to just like try new things and see what works and what you like creating um so yeah I like I guess I guess like I I enjoy probably scrolling on Instagram the most (laughs) what's fun about doing the content creation too and we've I I think it's been a little over a year now that we've like actively been trying to like make reels and and do video content like this when we first started it was I just did like voiceover stuff because that was I think the most popular, especially on Instagram at that time, I hated it. I hated <laughs> yeah. it. Like we would record three or four and I'm not even being dramatic in the fact that like I would start crying. Oh, like Isaac no. was like, okay, I guess we're done for the day. Cause I was like, I'm so tired of like having to get the words exactly with the other yeah. person. Oh, I'm God. like, it's so exhausting and it, it feels so terrible. disingenuous. This is not who I am. I don't want to yeah. do this. And as we got out of that and just like started talking and telling more stories, yeah. it feels so much better. Yeah. But like, also, I'm glad that I tried that thing and yeah. knew that it was horrible and I didn't like yeah. it because it, that might not be the case for everybody, of course, but you have to just try a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Like, just throw it all at the wall and see yes. what sticks. Yeah. We're still figuring that out, but it's, it's fun. Yeah. Is there a type of content that you enjoy making the most? Like you look forward to, to making on a regular basis? Um... I really like, I'm really into just educational type reels Mm. right now, like where I'm talking to the camera, um, where I'm just giving them a quick tip or showing them how to do something. Um, Yeah, I really enjoy that. And then people can usually like feel the energy and excitement of what I'm saying and um, can kind of, you know, obviously like learn something from what I'm sharing, but also like take that energy and be like, oh, like I want to keep learning more, like get people interested and motivated and learning. That's awesome. That is awesome. What is something in, in general and in, in learning piano that you think at any stage, it doesn't have to just be adults. What do you think is something that's a little bit underrated about either the instrument or like what it's capable of for people that want something that maybe is a little bit more versatile? Yeah, I think, um, I think just being able to like play around with things like, mm. um, I'm a big fan of just like improvising with chords, even Um, like just taking like four basic chords and just being able to kind of just do what you want with them. Just like play around with notes, see what sounds good. Um, And I think that that, you know, the way music is traditionally taught is, you know, like you learn how to read sheet music and, you know, maybe you add chords in later. but it's very like kind of by the books in a way. Um, and I just love the idea of like 
improvising because you're getting to play with it a little bit more and you're getting mm. to like give yourself the freedom to just like, I'll just try it. Like, yeah, who knows? Maybe it'll sound terrible. Maybe it'll sound amazing. Maybe I'll love this sequence of notes, you know, and just like nobody else hears it. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, just like giving yourself the freedom to do that. Yep. Um, and not to like put this expectation on ourselves. Like, Oh my gosh, I have to play like the exact notes on the page and it has to sound good. And, um, with improvisation, it's like, you don't really have any of that. You're just playing. And um, I think that that's something really fun to revisit as an adult, because we did this with kids. And, you know, we kind of had that, like, you know, the world is my oyster sort of thing, you know, like, not even like aware of our limitations. And then as we get older, that, you know, tends to fade a little bit more. Um, So like being able to return to that through improvisation, I think is really cool. That's awesome. Do you find that a lot of your students take that and end up writing their own music out of it too? Um, I haven't heard of too many writing their own music, but I hope so. <laughs> I hope <laughs> they and like create, you know, their own things and yeah, enjoy, get to experience that part of playing because it's That's really awesome. Fun. What is something about having an online business that you maybe enjoy more than you thought you were going to? Yeah, I really enjoy, um, not like, I guess just having the, the freedom, like the time freedom to kind of like wake up and be like, okay, what am I going to create today? Um, Mm -hmm. that's going to be like different and unique. Um, and then like being able to package that into digital products that people can buy. So I get like all the joy and the excitement of creating it, but I only have to create it once (laughs) instead of, you know, like with private lessons, you teach it and then you teach it again and then you teach it again and the same thing over and over again. So I think it's kind of fun to just like package it all up once with all the excitement and then just be like, send it out into the world. (laughs) (laughs) Do you find that you have like, do you have a typical routine? I mean, obviously since you're working independently, you have all the time freedom. Is there a a set schedule that you normally follow to help kind of organize that a little bit more for yourself? Yeah, I try to. I try to be really intentional at the beginning of the week with like that week's tasks. So, and then like breaking it down into day by day, but keeping that like overarching, like these are the week's tasks and I have the whole week to complete them so that I, uh, you know, if I get to the end of the day and I haven't completed everything, I'm like, oh, it's okay because I have the whole week to stress. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Not to stress over them. Um, I love having a morning routine. I love being able to wake up and journal. I'm a huge fan of journal journaling. Um, and just like drinking my coffee, getting set up for the day. And then I try to create all of my content, whether it's writing or creating reels or carousels. I try to do that all in the mornings because I'm mm. like the freshest and the light is the best in my music room. <laughs> then, So I try to get it all done in the morning and then try to do more of like my admin um, or like behind the scenes stuff like online in the afternoons when it's kind of like the the lull till the end of the day. So that's kind of a rough structure of my (laughs) my schedule throughout the days, but it's always kind of changing a little bit from day to day. When you first started, and I'm sure you were like trying to create a lot of content and record everything, did you find that you were working more days than you weren't? Like, were you also packing stuff in on the weekends or did you have that good separation initially too? Oh no, I was (laughs) all the time (laughs) because at the time I was still teaching one-on-one. And so I no longer teach one-on-one. So like as my online business grew, um, I stopped teaching one-on-one and now Mm -hmm. just like completely focused on my online business. Um, but at like, while I was getting this up and running, I was still like one-on-ones were still my bread and butter of my business. So I was teaching there. And then I was also trying to create content, also trying to record my course. Like it was a lot. So I really feel like I'm living the dream now, like just being (laughs) able to like focus on creating content and, um, building out my courses. So that's been really nice. It's hard. And I think it's something that we don't expect initially. Like we know it's going to be work. And then all of a sudden, like, gosh, I can, I can picture like around the time when I was like still teaching a very full, very full studio and trying to balance all this where like it was seven days a week, every week, like without fail, you know, I was taking calls on a Sunday and it was so so stressful. Yeah. 
And it's hard to pull back from that. So as you've kind of gotten into the groove and things have taken off and you've really settled into just the online business, how do you find that balance or how do you set those boundaries? And, you know, what are some things that have kind of helped you create that structure for yourself? Yeah, it's been really hard for me to um, cut myself off at the end of the day because I'm a little bit of a workaholic. Like I would work just because there's always when you have your own business, there are always things to do. Like the the to do list is never done. (laughs) I could finish my to do list for today and be like, oh, but there are five other things that I could do, you know, so. I've had to come to the realization, like that will always be there. I will always have a to-do list and you know, the work that I get done during the day, it's enough and I deserve to rest. And I find that, um, I create my best work out of like when I've rested, when I've looked after myself, when I've cut myself off at the night and said, Nope, I'm done working. I'm going to enjoy time with my family. I'm going to color and watch TV. Like (laughs) I find that like, I have to be really intentional about that. And, um, just to realize like my business is still going to grow, even if, you know, I take a break and that these breaks are really important. So yeah, so I've, I feel like I've had to be really intentional about Mm. cutting things off at the end of the day. And this is something that was, has been really hard for me because, Otherwise I will just keep working. And yeah. but then I get led into like working out of frustration and be feeling frazzled. And I never create good things out of that. Like nothing really, <laughs> I mean, I can force myself to do it, but it always like takes me longer. doesn't feel as authentic. I'm not happy. So I've learned to just cut myself off and get rest to prioritize rest. And yeah, it's been crazy to see my business grow. Like even with me taking rest. And so it's just like a a testament to the importance of rest and taking breaks. Being fully present. Yes. (laughs) When you have that separation, are there self-care things that you've implemented over the last year or two that have made a difference in feeling more rested? Yeah. So I actually started coloring recently in in an adult coloring book. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's actually really, it's, it's been an experience for me. I feel like it's been this whole like uh, growing experience for me because I've actually had adult coloring books like for years. And it was one of those things where it was like, oh, when I have time, when I have time, I'll be like, well, I never <laughs> had the time. <laughs> yeah, I never had the time, right? And so I, but I found that when I opened them up um, to color, I was like, it, it wasn't actually fun for me to color because I was bringing into my coloring experience kind of the same mindset that I had in my business where it was like, mm. it has to be perfect. Like I, you know, like I have to make sure that like I'm all within the lines and every, all the colors coordinate. And so it was stressful. I'm like, this is supposed to be fun and it's stressful. I am not having a good time. And so recently, like within the, within the past couple of months, I have just told myself, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I color within the lines. It doesn't matter if I want to do pink here and purple here. It doesn't matter if it looks good. Like, this is just something that's fun for me to do. Mm. To just like It's just like the act of coloring in the pages that has been really just life-giving for me. So that's been a whole experience, but it's it's kind of a, a fun like evening routine that I now have where I usually like turn on like Parks and Rec or The Office. And I just, cause you know, I've seen all of them already and I'm just kind of- Like just funny watch. background noise, yep. <laughs> yeah, you can just watch as I'm coloring and it's amazing. I've, I've really, really loved it. So that's kind of been my new like thing that I do. And um, it's been a fun routine to look forward to. Oh, that's awesome. It's important to have things too that like physically separate you from your phone and your computer. Yes. Like that is a struggle for me. Like I remember um, it's about a year and a half ago, just a little shy when Isaac and I got married. Yeah. I, for that week, um, we had an assistant that had been working with us for a couple months. I turned everything over to her for that week, yeah. which was terrifying. <laughs> like absolutely <laughs> terrifying. She knocked it out of the park. We ended up hiring her full time. Oh, right great. But like, that week I turned everything over and I turned off all of my notifications, like wow. social media, email, text, mm-hmm. everything got turned off. And it was so uncomfortable like to physically do that to my yeah. phone. And then I like never turned some of them back on. Like <gasps> yes. I still have all of my social media notifications turned off. My email notifications yes. turned off. Uh, my texts come through, but my family jokes that I'm on do not disturb more, more times during the day that I'm not, but I like that separation. I don't want, yeah. 
that like constant input because I'm going to check, you know, we have a, a Facebook group for our clients. Like I'm going to check Facebook. Yeah. I'm going to check my email. I check them constantly throughout the day. Yeah. But when I'm doing something else, yeah. I don't want that reminder or you don't want to be at family dinner on a Sunday and get an email from a parent or something about the yeah. week that causes stress and it totally ruins that experience. Yeah. It can and just it like happens. Throw, yeah. It can just like throw you in the moment. Yeah. And then you just, yeah. 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 I totally get that. It's hard. And especially when you're running an online business, everyone's communicating with you via email. Yeah. So I'm sure you've gotten those two where it's like, you know, you're sitting down to do something that you absolutely love and you get that one grumpy email and yeah. like your whole world is set off its access yeah. and you can't even yeah. yep. think about what's in front of you or yeah. who's in front of you. Yeah. Um, and those moments are like really deeply hurtful mm-hmm. and also really inspiring <laughs> for yeah. like creating that separation and creating those boundaries so that you can kind of steal yourself up a little bit Yes. and find Absolutely. that. Are there, I mean, okay. So I talked about turning off notifications. Yeah. Are there other things that help you to create that separation so that you can enjoy the other part of your life that is not music? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I try not to scroll in the evenings. I mean, mm. that's kind of related to what we were just talking about, but I, I try to just leave my, cause I find that when I scroll, like right before I go to bed, um, it, it's hard to, for me to fall asleep because then I get like a bunch of ideas of things I need to do that day. And then it's like, no, but I got to sleep. And so, I want to make this one and this one and this one. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I found like, just, yeah, like keeping my phone, uh, for a while, actually, I was just like leaving it outside of my bedroom, which was really mm. nice. Um, just to like have that habit of like, I want it outside of my bedroom. I don't want it close to me as I'm like going to bed. Um, so yeah, having habits like that where I'm not scrolling before I go to bed, I think has been really helpful for me. Um, and then sometimes I'll just like take a day and just like not go on Instagram, like just have a separation, like just have a rest, a break day, mm-hmm. um, where I just like think about other things and cause it can get really easy when, um, when you're so close to your business, it can feel like so much of your life <laughs> can just feel like very, very connected. And I love my business and I love what I do. But at the end of the day, like I want to have a life outside of my business. Like I want my, my business to be low, like what is providing me the freedom to go out and do other things. And so, yeah, just doing different things like, yeah, having a, a separate day where I'm not online, I think has been helpful in creating that separation and just resting and rejuvenating and just like reconnecting with like who I am, my purpose. And cause yeah, sometimes you can, you can look like all around you at like, Oh, what are other people doing? Am I doing enough? Like, or, mm-hmm. you know, like, or nobody's commenting on this. Am I not doing enough? Like, you know, you can look at all these like external factors and be like, you know, it's like your thermometer for how you're doing. And if you're always doing that, then your business is like a, you know, it's a whirlwind and it's an up and down roller coaster. But if you can stay really grounded for me, I found if I can stay really grounded through like journaling, through mm-hmm. turning things off, through giving myself rest, um, I just have a healthier and more thriving business. Absolutely. So outside and, you know, part of the problem with this business connection too, is that you are on all social media, the piano path. Like that <laughs> is you, you're one and the same. So outside of the piano path and outside of music in general, like who is Brianne? What else do you like to do? I mean, <laughs> some coloring and journaling, like what other things bring you joy that are not your musical life? Yeah. So I love traveling. And it's a big, actually, it's a big like reason why I want to create a business too, is for, you know, time freedom to be able to travel. (laughs) Um, One of my favorite places is Glacier National Park. And Mm. we've had the chance to go there the past couple of summers and just have completely fallen in love with it. We just, we're obsessed. We love hiking and we love being out in nature and the mountains. And we live in Indiana where it's like completely flat. So getting to like see mountains is is quite a treat and um, <laughs> just like, yeah, just really ignites my soul. So yeah, being outside in nature, traveling, um, 
just exploring new places. Like we always get super excited when there's like a new coffee shop or a new restaurant that's opening. Like, oh, we got to go check it out. Like I just love experiencing new things. Experiences are my absolute favorite things. Um, I also love reading and reading novels. This is something I started doing recently too, was reading more novels um, and just like getting really engrossed in a good story. Um, because for a while I was just like reading all self-help and development and business books, <laughs> which are great, but also then I'm like, I'm only thinking about my business and through all of yep. this. So, um, yeah, just getting lost in a good story. Um, I just, yeah, I love, I love that. So at the end of the day, I just, I love exploring. I love stories. I love creating new things. Um, that's really who I am. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I think it's so important that we find that definition because it's hard when you're turning that content all the time and like that's what your followers expect. That's what your students expect. Yeah. That's what they're looking for from you. It's hard yeah. to honor that part of you that is not just music. Yeah. And that separation is a little painful. Yeah. It's, and so much of what we do, we like define ourselves that way too. Yeah. Um, you've worked in this business for so long. It's hard to not like intertwine that work with yeah. how you define yourself. Yeah. So it, it's yeah. good to have those other hobbies and experiences. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Brian, this has been so much fun. And I told you when we first logged on, I was so looking forward to this. I know we've been like social media pals for a while, yes, but like I know. trying to go back and forth. <laughs> but it was time. It was so time to actually yes. meet face to face and chat. And this has been an absolute blast. It's so nice to meet you. I love what you're doing. I really appreciate how open you have been on the recording today and, and just sharing as much as you have about how you got here and all the, the other things that came with the success. Um, but I, yeah, I have really enjoyed this conversation and I think maybe we should do it again sometime because I really enjoyed yes. it. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs>